Here are several reasons why you should choose Tally and Twine Watch Company. Number one, we offer a two-year product warranty, so don't worry about fading or malfunctions. Number two, there's no risk to you. We offer both free shipping and free returns. Number three, the number seven represents completion and reminds you to finish what you start. Number four, why buy a lookalike watch when you can wear a true conversation piece? Number five, your satisfaction is guaranteed and we have hundreds of reviews to prove it. Number six, you can choose from our metal, leather, or canvas timepieces and we have styles for every occasion. Number seven, we offer the best features at the best value, hands down. Tally and Twine Watch Company, it's time to make your mark. Welcome to the Savage Truth Podcast. This is your man, Pastor Roy Dockery, uh, coming to you with another topic for the day. And we have the privilege and the honor of being joined um, by no other than NBA legend and activist, Etan Thomas. Uh, say what's up to the people, Etan. Oh, how's everybody doing? Hey, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Absolutely, man. Um, it's it's a pleasure. It's it's interesting how we actually uh, met each other. I ran into Eton at a <laughs> at a God Over Money tour uh, concert in Baltimore. Um, but unbeknownst yeah. to me, when I met him, uh, I had already already had his books because he was referenced several times by Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, who's one of my favorite authors. So I had some of his stuff in my collection, and so when he gave me his number because he wanted an I'm a Christian shirt, I was wondering why the name sounded familiar. <laughs> um, and, 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 Lo and behold, it's the it's the man behind the mission. So um, so just to start with that, man. Um, so, Eton, just for people who who may not know, I know you do a lot of sports talk. Uh, I, my my listeners aren't necessarily <laughs> sports people. Um, they're a diverse group of people. So why don't you just tell us about yourself? So I'm on a daily show on uh, ESPN Syracuse um, from 11 to 12. Uh, we talk about a lot of sports, um, you know. Um, and outside of sports as well, like giving me the kind of leeway to to talk a little bit of stuff outside of sports, which is, which is good. Uh, can't just talk about sports all the time. Um, and then I have a show called The Collision with Sports and Politics Live every Thursday with uh, David Byron. Um, and there we talk about everything. So, yeah, it's going a little busy. <laughs> That's what's up. And I mean, and it's interesting to see those transitions, right? Especially we, we kind of, we pay a lot of attention to athletes when they're on the court, right? Especially when they're actively in the, in the league. And so it's always good to be able to see a view of what people do um, kind of with their lives, right? Since you, especially with professional athletes, you guys get a lot of your life back after your career, right? Most, you know, most athletes retire in their, in their early thirties. Right. Um, so right. being able to have the rest of that time that, that you can dedicate to doing things that you're passionate about is amazing. So um, just to get in a little bit to some of the stuff that you do outside of the sport, outside of sports, when it comes to activism and a lot of what we'll talk about today, like, can you kind of just give, you know, give the, the audience and the listeners insight of like where your passion for for being an activist or getting involved in activism? Where'd that come from? Well, that comes from an early age. Um, I kind of developed that back in middle school, to be honest with you. Um, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X and everything kind of changed. 
<laughs> like everything. <laughs> and, you know, I was questioning things and I was saying, you know, why, why am I not being taught this in school? Why am I only being taught European history and their culture and their history? I don't know anything about my own culture and history besides why Luther King on during Black History Month there. You know what I mean? Rules of Park yeah. or something like that. <laughs> and so my mom, who was actually, you know, she was a, a role with the Black Panthers back in the day and she was doing the, the um, breakfast program and everything like that. So she was like, oh, well, I got stuff you read. And then she just started feeding me stuff, you know, from her library. And I and the more that I read, the more I wanted to keep reading and learning. And then that kind of birthed my, my life after. And I started reading about Muhammad Ali and Bill Russell and you know what I mean? And then Martin and Matt Turner and uh, Harriet Chubman. And I, I just kept reading and reading more and more. And, um, you know, it just didn't stop. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It's it's crazy how and at one point in history, I kind of did a lot of advocacy around literacy because there's so much that we can learn about ourselves and so much that we can, you know, kind of create and craft our identity around if we actually pick up books and read. Right. It's amazing what we can learn from a book that um, that somebody would never tell us or share. And, you know, I already mentioned Dr. Um, Dr. Dyson is one of my my favorite authors. And so but growing up, you know, I, school was always kind of easy to me, but <laughs> um, but I but I never really read. Right. So whenever I had to write a paper, I would just you know, I, I could I can write a 12 page paper by reading the beginning of the book, the end of the book right. and a few chapters in the middle. Right. So I yep, had literally right. never read an entire book in my entire life. And I was in college, my freshman year of college. My father actually gave me Holla If You Hear Me by Dr. Michael Larry Dyson. Ah, and he wrote a biography on Tupac. Um, and I actually have a signed copy of that book. My, my wife got me lunch with Dr. Dyson for one of my birthday gifts a couple years ago. And I got to meet him in, uh-huh. in person. And so but same thing, reading that book and then actually looking at the list of books that um, that one of Tupac's teachers said he read. So it was like Machiavelli um, and <laughs> like books by the Dalai Lama and all of the stuff that Tupac read. Like I read that book cover to cover in like four hours. Right. And that was the right. first time I ever read a book and that actually kind of sparked my intellectual interest. And so same thing, like I literally, that's how I got your book because you were referenced in one of Dr. Dyson's books. So I started consuming Uh everything that was associated with what I was reading. So if he talked about Nat Turner, you know, he, you know, referenced other books, different authors, um, I would just kind of go down that path. Right. And so then Uh I did the same thing spiritually. I'd read a book by, you know, by one pastor or one writer, and then I'd look at who he referenced in and read more, but just that literacy and that desire to consume information, right. It kind of, it helped me create an identity because I'll be honest, I was 19 years old and didn't really have any identity, right? I was just <laughs> doing a bunch of stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't solidified because I hadn't tapped into um, anything kind of outside of myself. So that's great, man. That's oh, your, your mom introduced you to that at such a mm-hmm. at such a young age. And so, you know, since you're knowledgeable and and you know and and kind of ingrained into it from a cultural perspective, like, you know, and, and again, I'm I'm only 36. So <laughs> I've been watching basketball uh-huh. since Olajuwon was in the NBA uh cuz since I got my right. first job, I've been grinding um and and with no breaks. So when it comes to like, you know, knowing about yourself and your identity and all of that other stuff, like 
So have you actively been like pushing for activism? Like I know now, right? You actually have, I mean, obviously have more time to dedicate to activism that you're not in the league, but like, where was this like a gradual process where you started pushing or, I mean, you know, even leading up to the first time you put out a book, like what did that look like when you went into full fledged (laughs) activist mode and not just having an opinion and having an identity and and being an intellectual, you know, an intellectual black man, (laughs) essentially. Well, you know, everybody that kind of knows me growing up, um, they're like, hey, well, this has kind of been him since we've known him. He's just doing it on a second level. Um, so really, I, from middle school on, I mean, this was really like me. And, you know, in high school, I got into speech and debate. So I was, you know, writing speeches. I wanted to write speeches like Malcolm. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, I wrote speeches on topics like Malcolm. And I you know, even had the same cadence. And I studied him. And, you know what I mean? The way that he would debate and everything like that. And, you know, I, I, I specifically changed. And the way, you know, I had an incident that happened with me when I was in high school where, you know, in long story short, they pulled me over on my way to a game. And, you know, there's about four or five police cars. They thought that they, I looked familiar, but they thought it was from a uh, mug shop, something like that. It kept me like for 45 minutes. You know, back in the day, whenever you got, they stopped us, we always had to get out and sit on the ground. That's just what they were doing for a while. Yeah, and yeah, so, that, that happened to me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, and they finally realized when they went on my Booker to Washington high school bag that they knew me from being in the papers because I played that. And then they just like, all right, you can go. I'm not about to do this damn show. And I was like, I was, you know what I mean? I went yeah. to the game. I got eat, everything like that. I was, you know, and then the next day, I'm in teaching the bay class. Our teacher, uh, Mr. Bland, said, you know, I'm sitting there ranting about it to this little girl next to me, little girl, little girl, little girl, little white girl, and she was just taking up, she was sitting next to me. And, I, and then, you know, Mr. Bland asked me, he was like, you know, I said, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm hearing all of the things you're saying and you're okay, into a speech. And when he said it, I was like, man, I ain't thinking about no speech right now. You know what I'm saying? Do you hear what I said that happened to me? And he was like, oh, it's pretty funny. Everybody was crazy. You know what I mean? He was like, and, you know, and those people that are out there that need to you know, you know, you have a passion, at that point, something that I was passionate about. And he was like, that's it. That should be your original oratory. So I did it, and then I just started doing it a lot, and I started winning a lot, and speaking it nationally, and they did write up in the papers about it and everything like that. But something that happened was I got a um, um, a letter from the Tulsa Police Department saying that they were going to look into the situation or the incident. Mm. Now, I don't know what came from that. You know what I mean? I ain't ever hear no follow-up, no investigating ourselves. But yeah. just for them to even acknowledge, you know what I mean, for a 16-year-old kid, I'm like, wow. And then I made it to that. I was like, well, the only reason why they even acknowledge it is because I play basketball. And then that's where the connection came. And then all the different people that told me, like, hey, thanks for speaking up about this, man. It happens all the time, but they ain't no this time. But then that's where I just kept doing it. And I kept doing it more and more. And that was kind of the birth of everything, really. 
Yeah, that's amazing, man. But and it's like you said, it's 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 crazy because, you know, we can we can get in our own instances and we can vent. Right. But it's like when you vent in the right avenue <laughs> and then you see a response from it, you're like, oh, like because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, why are you talking? You know, nobody's going to do anything. Nothing's going to change. But then when you when you get that when you get some kind of response or when you see some kind of movement, you know, it, like you said, it just empowers you to be like, okay, like I need to keep talking. Right. And then even in, like you said, a 16 year old who's known locally for playing basketball, just in Tulsa for you to get a letter from the police department because you just, you decided to use your voice. Um, is something that I think a lot of that I think a lot of people need to hear. Right. I think we just because there's so many opinions that we can share now, especially in this age of social media, like everybody can say what they think. Everyone can say what they feel. I think it's actually minimized what people feel like is the power of an individual voice. Right. Because we hear so many voices all day, every day that I think people who have something important to say just feel like it would get drowned out. And it wouldn't be heard. So people choose not to speak. Right. And so then what happens is we get the world that we're in where all the <laughs> where the crazy people are the ones who talk the most. <laughs> right. Because the logical That's people true. who have passion or, or vision are, are being quiet because they don't think they'll be heard. So I think it's amazing because the one thing and then we'll transition into talking about um, we matter specifically, but because uh, we want to talk about athlete activism because of what's going on. But what I found really interesting, because like I said, one of the first books that I got um, by you was Voices, um, Voices of the Future. And it was crazy because like the, the only way I can describe it was like you created a curated experience of black thought. <laughs> right. So it was it wasn't just what you thought. Right. Because it, but it's like you took poetry from from teenagers, from adults. Right. And then referenced other stuff that was happening within the culture and things that people were speaking on. And you kind of curated right. it into into one concise thing where you even like you said, leverage your platform and the fact that you're an athlete to say, I'm going to make you listen to the 17 year old. <laughs> right? right. Because he's right. saying the same thing that I'm saying, but he's saying it um, it differently. So before we get into we matter, I know you said, you know, you do speech. I've seen your I, I mean, I got an opportunity to see your son do poetry live as well. And, I, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a I'm a Christian rapper and I came into I got into hip hop because one of my friends made me take a poem and rap it. <laughs> right. So uh, I've, I've been in the poetry. I, that was my way of expressing myself probably since I was seven or eight years old. So uh, and that's something that's especially not encouraged amongst black men for us to express our feelings through rhyming words and putting them on paper if there are no beats involved. So how does um, how does like poetry kind of tie into or how did poetry kind of kind of birth and tie into you putting out, you know, that voices of our future and kind of connecting with the culture through poetry and spoken word? So I started getting into poetry um, again at a young age. So my mom used to play um, poetry around the house. So she'd be playing the last poet, uh, Mary Baraka, you know what I mean? Nikki Giovanni, she was playing old records. So I just grew up listening to it. And then once I got into high school and started doing teaching debate, I just started getting a little bit more into poetry and listening to, you know, like Saul Williams. Like I kind of, I, I started getting into Shakespeare because I thought it was just like cool the way that he would write the whole piece of it. I was just like, wow, that's so how he put that together and made that analogy. That was cool. But it really got into like lyrics with hip hop. So like even listening to my hip hop, I wanted to listen to people who were clever with their lyrics. I didn't want to just ride to the beat. Like a lot of my boys were doing like, man, don't worry about what they think. Ride to the beat. I was like, no, I want to hear them say something that's going to like affect me. Like I'm going to be like, oh, let me rewind that. Did you hear what he said with the, you know, the, the national 
I started listening to a lot of times and a lot of, you know, cats doing a lot of uh, um, metaphors, similes, imagery, things of that nature, telling stories. So I started writing my own poems and my own book um, in, in high school. Really, I started it as a form of therapy. That was really how I started writing poems and why I started yeah. doing it. I wasn't somebody that was, you know, uh, would be into counseling. You know how it is, you know, especially in our, in our community. I don't know what counseling, you know what I mean? Especially as a black man, you know what I mean? Especially as a black athlete, that's just how it was back then. But getting into writing and writing about it. You know, I'm talking about frustrated with it, angry about it. I'm just writing a whole poem about it. And then I'm just doing it like that. Or like you hear, like the Anthony Hawkins talk was like, you know, earlier, it's time to make him a book. It was just an angry poem or angry, you know, rapper, whatever you want to call it. So he was angry. He got it all out. You know what I mean? And that's how I would do it. I remember writing a, um, a piece about my, my, my dad who wasn't there as much as I wanted him. I remember writing a piece about the police, writing a piece about the teacher that told me that I, you know what I mean, could never, would never read above a, a middle school level. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I, so I started writing all these poems and then I just kept doing it and more and more. So when I got um, a little bit older, I started doing a lot of these work in correctional facilities. Uh, okay. My grandmother worked at Spofford in New York. And if you don't know what Spofford was, uh, it was like um, where they went to before they went to like the time. Okay. So how he talked and speak, um, and, and, and you know what I mean, to so, stand all the time. And so, you know, when I, once I got to Syracuse, got to, you know, the NBA, I would do a lot of work in correctional facilities as well, wherever I was. And so, you know, talking with them, uh, you know, and we having sessions, and I'm like encouraging them to write and encourage them to, you know, get their frustrations out and stuff like that. And in the book that you learned from Voice of the Teacher, I did a whole chapter of a group from the guys in the, in the professional facilities that I worked with in D.C. Yeah. Uh, called Three Mind. And, um, yeah, I was a big of, of, you know, poetry and writing your thoughts down and doing the because that's what worked for me when I was young. You know what I mean? And the, the reality is a lot of cats, they don't want to talk to nobody about their problems. You know what I mean? Because they don't talk to nobody. Like, why would I talk to somebody I don't know about issues? Why would I talk to somebody that I do know and they're not going to tell us about Like, anywhere else in the world, I don't know this is a good idea. But I was like, write about it. You know what I mean? And, and that's just, that's just, you know, you don't have to even talk to nobody. So, that's how that started. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's the, the beautiful thing about poetry. Like you said, it's it's a it's a it's a moment of transparency with yourself. Right. Because even when we don't express our emotions and our opinions and we don't we don't share them with people or show them like even, you know, I wanted to marry my high school sweetheart. But it was funny because like I started like after, you know, like dating for years, like I showed her like poems that I wrote about her being like on the bus. Right. But it's like stuff I would have never said <laughs> out loud. Right. Like smell of her perfume when she walked past me on the bus because one a lot of it seems more like it's emotional right it's it's personal it's intimate and we like to keep our facade right um we like to keep our facade up and you know and at times it just you know it's got to be broken so like it's great that you use that as a tool is um just again for for expression for people to get their their thoughts out and i mean for me it's the same way with music like i have songs that no one will ever hear Right. Because I'll just I'll just record it. Right. Because once I started making music, that's what I would do. I would write a poem and then I would go spit it in the booth. So I've had a studio in my house since I was 19. 
or 20. <laughs> so like anytime I had a thought, I'd write it down and I'd find a beat and I'd just go record it. So I got like freestyles no one will ever hear. And it's because it's just my thoughts, right? It's whatever was going on in my mind at the time. Um, and to me, it's relevant to me whether or not other people cared. It didn't even it didn't even really matter, man. So, um, so the transition, man, like I want to talk about We Matter. I want to talk about athlete activism, which is I know what you're heavily engaged in, even with your um with the show that you do and in the, the opinions that you offer, right? Anyone who follows you on social media, um, whether it's on Twitter where you're constantly going at it with politicians and um and, and people, your Instagram posts, man, like you keep me up to date now on what's going on. I just gotta check in on Eton's page to see what's popping off today. Um, and just, you know, being vocal about that. So I want to talk about We Matter and how you went through that, um, that process, the thought for the, for the book that you put out, the interviews that you did. Um, and just to let everybody know, that was released in March of last year, right? March of 2018? All right, right. Okay, yeah. So it's available for everybody out there, We Matter by, by Eton Thomas. But yeah, let's, let's just talk about that. I know this is kind of in the age of, you know, post-Kaepernick taking a knee and all of that. But how, how'd you, how, how'd this come to mind and how'd you put this together? Well, I mean, I, I, I've been into activism, like I said, young age, so I was involved in different things and doing different things, um, even on campus in Syracuse and then we're playing, you know, here with the Washington Wizards. Um, you know, that was the time when uh, the invasion of Iraq just happened. And I remember I, I, I didn't see the connection. I didn't see like, you know, okay, 9-11 just happened, right? And the whole country, you know what I mean, was in shock. And then all of a sudden it became about Iraq. And I was like, well, what does Iraq have to do with 9 11? Were the people from Iraq? Like, were the, you know what I mean? And I was just like, wait, I don't understand. Why are, we, why are we going to Iraq now? And, you know, at that time, it was kind of like, you know, George W. did the, did the line of the sand, either you're with us or you're against us. And if you're not for this, what we're doing, you made the connection to, to Iraq, then that means that you're against America. You know what I mean? So, so at that time, when I was speaking out against that, because I did, it was really fast questions. Like, wait a minute, why are we going here? Like, explain to me, somebody knows that I was writing poetry and, and speeches about it. And I, I learned really quickly that people really don't like that they disagree with. And, you know, at that time, it was really just like, it was like, Addiction chicks, Michael Moore, like two other people that were speaking out against the one I write now. Everybody, Republicans, they just kind of like, okay, put us on there. There's no reason. But back then, it was like, oh my, because, you know what I mean? Everybody associated with 9 11, and it was, I just didn't see it. So as I started speaking about that, um, I started getting this real uh, reputation as an activist. You know what I mean? Because I was thinking about the war. And so, so then I started, you know, doing more, more of events and things like that and everything. So I wanted to do something that captured the level of activism that was going on current. Because yeah. back then, all the time when I would get invited on shows and everything like that, the common thing was always, well, you're, you're speaking out, you're using your platform, what's wrong with everybody else? Everybody else. And I, and I would end up having to defend the entire, you know, current top of, of athletes who I knew had political, uh, you know what I mean, thoughts and opinions and stuff because they talked to me about it 
and I still have to go up. So, so now, once we did have this, I want to create something that says, see, look, all of these athletes that I told y'all about, you know what I'm saying? They're happening, yeah. <laughs> but they just did it for different reasons because, number one, and number one, this is the main thing, is they have their own social media. They ain't got to go to y'all to try to interpret what they're saying. You know what yeah. I mean? They can, they can say it on their own to make y'all come to them. And that's really what I, what I, what I see is the big reason why you see so many athletes right now um, thinking out of different things. They, they can bypass the media. And really, you know, everything that's going on with police brutality, it's just in a state time by athletes from down the country and all, all the from high school, middle school, up to college, professional, you know what I mean? Black, white, you know what I mean? Everybody is a platform. They're really standing on a parade. And I just think it's a beautiful time. So I wanted to just capture all of that and interview all these different athletes uh, in my book. I interviewed athletes in the past, like Bill Russell and and John Carlos. You know what I mean? People who I grew up admiring, but then I wanted to interview Kirk and athletes. Like yeah. Russell Westbrook, yes. You know, D. Wade and Carmelo and, you know what I mean, Aaron Reed, and have them all talk about what has inspired as a person. So it's, you know, it's just the right time for this type of a discussion. Yeah. So with that, I guess so. And like you said, I, I love the way that you, you comprise that, right? Like there are, and I, and I kind of, you know, the, the media does it, right? It's whatever we can get attention. We tend to polarize, right? Like, oh, LeBron's doing this, right? But then it makes it seem like nobody else is doing anything, right? So LeBron, like everybody's got foundations, <laughs> right? But we're, some people's foundations get attention, more attention than others. Some people's voices get more attention to others. But I like the way that you categorize it with the fact that, you know, the, you know, our current age of social media allows people to bypass the media, right? Like we don't need your permission anymore or your, your, or your, you know, you don't have to validify what we're saying by putting me on TV, right? Cause I can get more views by posting a video on my Instagram or my Twitter account than I would get from people watching your news network. <laughs> right? right. So, and, and so, and, and it's a struggle for the media to, to do that. And it, you know, again, and if you want to find people doing good things, all you got to do is look for it. Uh, but that's not something we spend a lot of time doing. Um, so the one thing you said, especially even going back to, you know, to like you said, when just asking questions about 9-11 from from an activism perspective, like what is what are some of the most, you know, and, I, you know, and like you say, you've been dealing with this since middle school, right? We know people don't like to talk about race. We know people like to tell athletes to shut up and dribble, right? Like <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff like, oh, you're getting paid all of this money. You in the NBA, like what do you have to complain about? Um, but out of all that stuff that we anticipate, right, like we just expected. It, especially as black men in this country like what are some like what's some of the most unexpected responses you've had from right from being an activist and, and like you know curating these voices like you know have you had any unexpected like people you were mad that you wouldn't expect to be mad or people who supported that you wouldn't expect to um support like what's been unexpected oh, that you didn't anticipate uh, you know definitely it's interesting because you know you like I said, like I said before, you really see uh, people's true colors come out when you say something you agree with. And that's on both the right and the left. That's not just the right, uh, so right wing to Republican thing. That's on the left as well. I was yeah. curious many times when people on the left, where they're like, wait a minute, you, 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 you know, like, how dare you not agree with me about this topic? I'm like, okay, it's not okay that I know I have a different opinion. And that's just the thing, though. And it's funny because I was just at the University of Florida a few days ago, and I was talking about this very thing. 
to a classroom there. And there's, um, they brought me in to speak. I spoke on the program with the other three of the great. It sounds awful. When I go to a class where I was there, but they said, um, how would you categorize yourself? Like, one of the people, I was like, well, are you a, uh, they just started naming off different things. I was like, no, I don't, 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 I so usually, the people in that group don't want me to be, you know, don't accept me as part because I don't agree with all of their ideology. A lot of times, it's all or nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, yeah. I don't agree with the Democrats on everything. I don't. I definitely don't agree with the Republicans on very much. I don't agree with the Democrats on anything. Am I far left? No, but I don't agree with the far left on everything. Am I moderate left? I don't agree with the moderate left on everything. You know what I mean? Uh, I am evangelical, bro. I don't agree with them on everything. You know what I'm saying? So each group, I have to that's the thing, though. The people want you to almost like, if we're going to support you, you have to support us with everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying a lot. And I'm like, nah, that's not how it works. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If, that, if that's the true requisite for you to support me, then you can keep your support. You know what I'm saying? That's the honest truth. And I see that a lot. I've seen that a lot recently with a lot of from the left. I got to be honest with you. Um, because they'll agree with me if this stance against the war in Iraq. Or, the, or this stance against the police brutality. But then you take another stance that I like, oh, I'm going to So, so the question um, about abortion. And in my book, Mother than Athlete, you can tell from that point, I'm not so like Muslim. I'm in the yeah. middle. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm in the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, a lot of people on the left really don't like They're like, wait a minute, what do you think you're, you're the one? How could you not be in there? I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is completely on it. If we have a discussion, we can have it. But don't just, you know what I mean? Just start attacking because I don't believe what you believe. And like, they get like a fitness by You know what I mean? So, and yeah. that, that's what I like to do with these debates that I'm doing around is that we don't have to agree on everything. All you talk about topic, you know what I mean, and keep it on topic. And I keep it, I think it's the personal, like, dabs and attacks and lines on the hand with the time we talk about politics and politics. But we should be able to debate a topic like you, like you saw. You was at the, um, at the debate at Howard with uh, my parents. Right? We can yeah. debate for two straight hours. Right? For two straight hours, we disagree. <laughs> yeah. And then afterwards, it was all love, all hugs, all speech, respect. We didn't come out all agreeing, but we came out and we, we gave our, you know, opinions. We discussed it like grown up. Like grown people are supposed to be able to discuss differences. And that's really what I want to do with these, with these debates. So I'm going to cut you. You know, it, it's okay to disagree, but we got to be able to disagree without, you know, turning into like eight year olds. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, it's crazy you say that and, and you know, in a, in a good transition to the debate. So, you know, even having a debate, you know, picking a topic, right. And, and being able to have an, an intelligent, right. Passionate, emotional, you know, debate. Cause you know, the Dr. Dyson, he, he's shown a lot of love lately to Jay-Z and you took some shots at him and he was, you, you knocked him off his toes a little bit. <laughs> um, and, and Bill Rose was hilarious. It was a good discussion though. It, it was, was, it was, it was, was I just respectfully disagree. With your position, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I think, but that, and that's one thing, and it's crazy because I've actually I keep lists of topics that I'm gonna talk about um, on podcasts, and I record them when I get a chance. But that's the the one thing that um the one thing, and I I completely agree with you're saying when it comes to you having an opinion, right, and things that you stand for. Because even me at this position in my life, I'm like, all right, what are you what are you trying to do? And I'm leaning more towards activism, right? I care about my community. I care about racism, especially in a Christian context, right? I think that, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, when it comes to when it comes to race it gets it gets washed out a lot and we tend to ignore it but that's why you know the church is still the most segregated place in america right um but the crazy thing that you mentioned right because like i said i gotta and i don't know maybe i'll bring you back on to talk about that topic but i'm like you can't have a and this and it's you know we've made progress in a lot of areas in 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 america right and i don't i don't want to slight that but it's like now to your point now we can't have a conversation about issues facing black people without us having to bring in the issue of everyone who will support us. Right. And so to give you an, to give you, to give you an example, right. And I'm going to go back to, I mean, this has been around for a minute. So I went to an HBCU. So I went to North Carolina A&T. So I'm at A&T reading books by Dr. Dyson, reading Malcolm X, <laughs> Martin Luther King. And I'm at the, I'm at the school that's, you know, that started the, the, the sit-ins at the wool, you know, Woolworth counter, right. The Greensboro four, all of this history. So I'm, I'm getting a real vibe about my black identity. And I started doing some activism, voter registration. Um, and then so the first time I got invited to speak, <laughs> kind of like what you're talking about, I got invited to speak on a panel um, about mm-hmm. police brutality in Greensboro because the police had shot a young man thinking he was like somebody had robbed a liquor store. They thought he fit a description because he was a big, you know, he was a big teenager. He's like, you know, he's same size as me. He's grown man size. And the police shot him and killed him. So I'm at this event and I'm sitting on a panel and I've got the moderator of the panel is white. I'm on the panel and then his parents are on the panel. But we're the only three black people in the room. And this is in Greensboro, North Carolina. Like only other black person was a friend of mine who came with me. But the crazy thing is the people in the room were communists, fascists, um, right? Like it was all of these anti-government groups that were there Uh because black people were speaking against police brutality. So then the people who came alongside of us, even in just that, that one situation were people who were just against the government. Like you don't primarily care about this young black kid that got killed. Like you're just anti-government. So you're here, right? So the same thing when it comes to black rights and discrimination and stereotyping, now we can't have that conversation without talking about, you know, gender equality. We can't, you know, um, you Uh know, protections for the LGBTQ community, um, immigration. Like we can't have a discussion (laughs) about black people without everybody who supports us to your point saying, oh, well, like, you know, okay, so if you're for better civil rights, then you've got to be for yep. better civil rights for everybody. And I'm like, I'm not, yep. <laughs> I'm not trying yep. to take away from your slice of the pie, but can I focus? Right. Like, right. you know, like exactly. civil rights becomes this jack of all trades and a master of nothing. And it's like, as I black agree. people, we can't be strong advocates. Like we've lost those, right. We no longer have, or I have, I mean, with exception to you, right. I don't see a lot uh-huh. of people who are like, you know, primarily focused on advocating for black rights, because it's almost uh-huh. like we've been told that that's like we've been conditioned that that's wrong because the people who support the cause 
of black rights, even though it's not primarily because those rights have a benefit or, you know, or, or somewhere somehow tied to black people. Like if I don't come alongside you, you know, for for LGBTQ and transgender rights, if I don't come alongside you for equality and pay for women, if I don't like I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. Right. If I don't come along, like you said, if I don't come alongside you and I'm, you know, super pro choice. Right. Then like mm-hmm. then you get dismissed. Right. And it's like then they try to cancel you out. But I'm like, I why can't I care about <laughs> like I get to choose what I'm an activist about. And I think I've seen that line get muddied so much with black people who go out and try to advocate for things that ultimately that, you know, that directly impact their community. But it almost seems like you can't primarily be a black activist or, you know, it's like or or you kind of get held back a bit. Right. Like if you don't jump into all of these other pools of people who are, you know, who have, you know, who have issues of their own, then you kind of, you kind of get dismissed a bit, man. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's one thing I'm seeing as well. And like, even when you look like, especially dealing with black rights, right. You always going to tend over into the black identity religions. Right. So you start, even as a Christian, you talk about Jesus, you start getting the Hebrew Israelites, you got the nation of Islam, right. You get the, like they're advocating for black rights too, but I know you Christian, I'm Christian. It's kind of like, I like we could be good on black men need to stop getting shot in the streets, but like I ain't coming to your mosque. You know what I mean? Like, like I love you, but we got to keep some distance. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. And that's, and that's just that bothers <laughs> bothers me a lot. I'll be honest with you because yeah. it's a conditional uh, support, and that's what I'm saying. If your support is conditional, then you can keep you know, if your support requires you to believe everything that you believe, then now, come on now, that's the point you can keep. Yeah. Uh, with the fact that, you know, so many like that, you know, it, it, they, it, sometimes the left becomes just like the right. Where like, if you don't agree with me, you're the enemy. And it's like the line is drawn in the sand. I'm like, wow, you're drawing the line on the sand with on me because I don't believe you know what I mean? Exactly yeah. what you believe. But the comes to I'm like, wow, that's but I I understand. I yeah, absolutely, man. So so let's like we're going to shift shift to something. One, you've been talking about it for a while and bringing it current, yeah. and also tied to the debates that we had. So the debate that I attended in Howard, um, you were having a conversation with Bill Roden and Dr. Michael Eric Dyson about um, Colin Kaepernick, Jay-Z and the NFL. Right. And, um, right. and that's a discussion, whether it's specifically that. But, you know, that's something that you want to take across the country to different universities. So anybody out there listening that wants to bring in um, Eton and other speakers to have like intelligent, passionate discussions about things that are impacting our culture, impacting our community, um, make sure uh-huh. make sure you get up with them. Um, but in that in that specific space, man, because you have a you know, I'm obviously you got a passion about it as um as an athlete. And now, right, we I'll jump to today. Right. We got Colin Kaepernick landing in Atlanta. Um for this weekend tryout, and I already seen some of your Instagram posts about it, um, and, and your tweets. So, I mean, let's so let's just talk about that a little bit, right? Like, kind of this age that we're in, right? Where you've got like hip hop and entertainment moguls, right, that are speaking out, and you got Meek Mill trying to do criminal justice reform, and Kim Kardashian going to the White House, right? And then we got Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reeds and uh, and the other people in the league, and uh, LeBron and uh, you know Miami Heat when they did the whole thing for Trayvon Martin. Like where, how, what is that, like that space right now, man? Like, why do you think this is, um, and why do you think this was such a hot topic? Well, I'm gonna start here. Why do you think it was such a hot topic with Colin Kaepernick when he took a knee? Well, 
Well, I mean, I think it became polarized. I mean, when you had the president of the United States, um, you know, have a national address to the entire country and call him an SOB and tell him to get him off the field and say, how dare she? You know what I'm saying? Then it becomes something bigger. I mean, it's interesting when you see people say that Kaepernick, you know, created this storm and did all this like they were his fault. I'm like, well, wait a minute now. Y'all the ones that flicked everything. Kaepernick specifically said, when I am taking me and there's nothing against the veterans, I have respect for veterans. I, you know what I mean? I counseled with a veteran and there's a proper way to do this. Uh, he said, I am certainly taking a niece against police brutality, you know what I mean, systemic racism, and the political process. All of the things that he specifically listed. And as soon as he finished talking, all of the media uh, outlets wrote, he's taking a knee against the veterans, and he's disrespectful to the country, and he's uh, taking an anthem protest. And all these different people like, well, wait a minute, y'all changed the narrative. And then Trump came and said, well, so look how he disrespects our veterans. So, so it, it was perfectly done, but that's the reason why, you know, even today, you have people in mainstream America that really believe that Kaepernick is anti-veteran or anti, you know what I mean? And it's like, wow. Yeah. And he became ungodly in the same way, right? Like, because this is the other oh, thing that frustrates me about how the evangelicals just jump on, right? The white evangelicals jump on the conservative bandwagon, right? Because conservatives right. wanted to be offended by him taking the knee, right? And it jumps, and I'm, you right. mentioned it before, it goes back to almost what you were talking about with Iraq, right? If you don't agree 100% with us, then you're against America, Right. So despite the fact that we elected somebody in a political office who said he wanted to make the country great again. Right. <laughs> which means you're identifying there's a problem with it now, <laughs> which is the irony. So he got elected by saying something's wrong with this country and we need to make it better. But then Kaepernick taking a knee specifically saying actually having specifics, which Donald Trump never has. Right. <laughs> having specifics right. of what he wanted to address. Then he was demonized because he was looked at. Stand, he was looked. They, they positioned him, like you said, standing against a conservative institution. Right. Because the military is looked at as this strong, conservative American institution. Right. Not just the arm of our government. Um, that has to respond <laughs> to whatever the government says we're going to do, like go to Iraq, even though we got attacked by people from Afghanistan. Um, <laughs> so so that's crazy. But I, I think that kind of feeds into that narrative, too. Right. So it's like almost protest, yeah. protest that's not that hasn't been deemed appropriate by conservatives has now been deemed un-American. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Any type of protest have been deemed unacceptable to conservatives. Any type. Yeah. So when they could, anything. And, you know, so they always like to throw, you know, well, if you do it like Martin Luther King, you might Luther King did a, a peaceful protest after different uprisings that happened in, like, Ferguson or Baltimore and everything like that. And it's okay, well, now, you know, you have Carol Kaepernick, who just silently took a knee. That's all he did, took a knee. And yeah. then they said, well, that was the right thing. I'm like, what happened to Dr. King? Dr. King was just the right thing. So, 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 so you get it that it's, it's not going to matter what type of protest you do. The problem isn't with the type. The type. The problem is with the protest. You know what I mean? And they just say that. Uh, you know, and, and just flipping it to where, like, who, why would you be against, why would you be for police brutality? Because that's what they're protesting. They're protesting <laughs> yes. police brutality. It doesn't mean anti-police. It doesn't mean anti-white people. It doesn't mean anti-Christianity. 
it means specifically what they said against police brutality. And it's just it's amazing when people completely like flip the script with what is the issue. And you know, and they you you have to start to to quantify and say, Well, I'm not against all police. So even though that's nobody said it. So you ain't saying you're all against all police ever. But you have to say, I'm not against all police. But I still believe that the police should be held accountable uh, if they murder somebody. You know what I mean? You have to say, I've got all these different qualifiers, and it, it, you start playing their game. And it's hard not to because they've controlled the narrative. And, yeah. that, and that is, you know, uh, that's a big part of, of the issue that's going on right now. And that's it's crazy you say that because like I, a couple episodes ago I did a I did a podcast episode on on police brutality um, and I asked the question are police a force for protection or have they been weaponized for oppression right yeah. so <laughs> like that was the subject of, but I had to start it out right with what you just said with the disclaimer right like let's be clear you know what I mean and it's weird because I could say a lot like I'm a disabled veteran <laughs> who is a pastor. That happens to be black. <laughs> so don't don't come at me with, you know, I got people, oh, patriots. And I'm always like, have you served in the military? Because if you haven't, shut up. You can't say anything to me <laughs> about a flag if you ain't ever put on a uniform and took an oath to defend the Constitution. Because what most people don't connect to, and I, I had a discussion at work with somebody the other day, because I was like, yeah, my, my kids don't stand during the national anthem. Right. And my kids don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. And they said, why? I was like, why would they? <laughs> I'm raising my Christian, my kids to be Christian, not American. I don't care if they pledge allegiance to a flag. They understand what the flag is. They know what it means. Um, but it, but it's not, it's not a part of their identity, right? It's not something that they pledge any obedience to. I want, I want my kids to obey Jesus. Um, but it was even with the national anthem, I'm like, you, you. yeah, it was like for the national anthem, like, have you read all of the verses? <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I'm not singing that song. Um, but it was crazy because that's the, the automatic thing, right? It's unpatriotic. And I'm like, but we would even sit, we could, you know, everybody will debate about what patriotism means. Ask anybody who's been in the military, oh, you don't call yourself a patriot unless you were in the military. <laughs> in my opinion, right? Oh, I'm a patriot. Why? Because you call yourself that? Like, and that means Tom Brady's a patriot. Like, you know, it's however you define the word is different, but that's what we wind up having to do because there's a narrative that drives the context of everything. So whenever you say something out of your own opinion, your own perspective, you now have to define and qualify that context. Right. So when I, you got to say when I say Black Lives Matter, I'm not saying that I'm anti-police. I'm not saying that everyone else's life doesn't matter. Right. I'm just saying right. that because there's a narrative being pushed that, you know, Black Lives Matter is a hate group. It's anti-police. And then we, you know, because people don't read anymore. Right. Like we don't know the definition of words. We let whatever media out that we're looking at define the words and how we interpret them like and I I know you get the same thing just because I get to see some comments on your social media the most frustrating thing is to post something on social media and to have people argue an opinion into your posts that you didn't share <laughs> right like you say something and I'm like what did you read like you just started arguing with yourself on my post about something I didn't even say but it's just because you share something associated with a topic that's being that's being, you know, kind of fl fleshed out in the in the larger narrative. Right. Like, I think I just posted a photo and a lot of times I'll post something with no caption, no comments and people start arguing on my post. And I'm like, it's a news article. What are you arguing about? <laughs> like, you're assuming my opinion on that article because I'm black and I posted it. But I'm like, I didn't share my opinion. I'm sharing the information 
so that you right. can read it and develop an opinion, but you're assuming my opinion. And then I have to wind up going, and this is my opinion on this article since no one bothered to ask before everybody started. Because like you said, a lot of people make assumptions of where I'm coming from that are not correct, right? Like, just because I'm black, just because I'm Christian, just because, you know, because um, whatever, like, I have, you know, some conservative beliefs. I have some some beliefs people would call liberal. Like, I'd love the, tr- the, what is it? the truth had a song called Purple. The color purple. <laughs> he was like, everybody want me to be red or blue. Why can't I just be the color purple? Right. Because neither one of them right or left ain't neither one of them. Jesus. Um, so my desire is to be Christian, not to be conservative or evangelical or liberal. Right. Or progressive or whatever they want to. Well, you know, I'm, a, I'm like you. I'm going to just be me. If you don't like it too bad. But I'm definitely not jumping on somebody else's bandwagon just because you'll share my post if I do. Exactly. <laughs> I'll I'll stay unheard if that's the um if that's the case, man. So with the with the the debates that you that you want to do around the country, man, like what is the main thing you want to accomplish? Where do you want to take them? Um, how do you want to see this evolve? Well, I want to go. Uh, I want to do an HBCU tour. That's what I want to do, and I want to you know take all the the, the the you know the topics that are that are you know prevalent at that time. And, um, you know, I want to do it on HBCU. I love what happened to Howard. That happened at Howard. That was really, it was like organic. I think that's the way, the best way, because it was really just, you know, I wrote an article about Jay-Z. Uh, my Dyson had a, uh, a book coming out. He had a few responses to my article. I was like, hey, why don't we do it on the basis? That's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how it worked out. And yeah. it's from there, it's like, okay, I'll keep doing this. This is actually good. Because if it, <laughs> I really had no idea. I had no idea how it was going to go. I didn't even know, I didn't really know if he was gonna, you know, accept it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. he's like Larry Dice, you know? So <laughs> like, oh, and I thought it was great, but then it really seeing as a, the students' reactions from it, and how, you know, the feedback afterwards, and the professor, you know what I mean, uh, Dr. Carr, who, who moderated that, how he was saying, he was like, oh, they loved it. He's like, and there's other people who were mad if they weren't there. And there's, you know what I mean, and stuff like that, and what we discussed was showing how, it's okay to disagree. Let's just, yeah. let's just talk about the facts of You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, now it turns into like almost a dozen. Like, they just start sniping that out. Like, hey, I ain't even talk about the topic no more. You know what, <laughs> <For> what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just so, so really just bringing the whole notion of debate back. I and mean, then we can talk about different, um, different situations and different topics, but with people who you disagree with. You know what I mean? That you have fundamental disagreements with, and honestly, you know, we, you know, going back to where we have we have the late the twenty twenty election, and we have I, I so many people on the, the left that are now split. You know what I mean? Like I said, you have the moderates, the far left, the Bernie Sanders left, the you know what I mean, the Joe Biden left, the you know, all, all everybody, yeah. everybody's at the whole quarterback, you know what I mean? Maybe you have Kamala Harris, you're like whatever. Or else, you know, so it's like it's been all split, and it's like, well, let's talk about just the topic that we have and find commonality, and then we yeah. just balance together. You know what I mean? In one common goal, and that's really what should be the, the you know, because I mean? it's okay if, if I have a different opinion than as, as Dr. Dyson on on Jay Z. We both want the overall goal to be the same. We want there to be something that that actively gives us to fight against police brutality. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, I just, and, and we should hold people accountable. I, I don't think that we even held President Obama accountable enough. You know what I mean? I think there is nothing wrong with holding somebody accountable without canceling them. 
You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I, get, and I get the hesitation of why we always just want to criticize personal violence because everybody else is criticized. And we don't want to do anything with them. I get it, but we still got to hold people accountable. <laughs> you know what I mean? You still yeah. do. Even people who you support, you have to hold accountable. Absolutely. And I think you I think you got a good point, man, because I think one thing that we struggle with in the in the especially in the black community. Right. Is that one, we we don't come together with commonality on what the problem is. Right. So like we don't like you said, we don't pick a problem and stick to it. That's one thing like conservatives and evangelicals. Right. Like even from a Christian perspective, it's like, you know, they were, you know, for the longest, like the conservative party was strong on we are we are pro-life. Right. And we are anti LGBTQ. Right. Like like that was the position and they were sticking to it. So it didn't matter like what your perspective on taxes were. Right. Taxing the rich, taxing the poor, health care. Like even though they kept bringing those up as like modular discussions around politics. Right. You still have people who are voting straight down the line because this party says they're against abortion. Right. And then you got people. And so it's like even to come together. And like you said, like we have a problem with police brutality. So, right. Like, okay, fine. So let's have an intelligent discussion on how Dr. Dyson looks at that on how Jay-Z is approaching it on how athlete activism impacts that on how our role, like with Bill Roden in the media plays into that, right. In the way that we cover these stories and the way that we share them, but it's like, you know, trying to get a consistent narrative, especially as the black community on the problems that we're trying to address is something that I think just keeps falling through the cracks, right? Because it gets it gets muddied and confused, and then we're arguing over what the real problem is, and we don't have commonality on like even what we're trying to accomplish, right? So then it just we come together divided and we leave divided, right? And then there's no there's there's no consistency and just that force moving um, where we're we're trying to we're trying to do stuff, and, you, and we see it. It's not I'm not saying it in an absolutes, but you see that a lot, right? We come together and we argue, and then we go back to our perspective corners trying to fix the problem our own ways. Right. Where we don't really come together and pool our resources, pool our talent um, and our, you know, just our voices to specifically address an issue like, um, you know, I'm a executive from a business perspective. But like one book I made everybody on my team read was a book by Gary Keller called One Thing. <laughs> right. And it was like multitasking is a, is, a, is a myth. It's not real. Right. You can really focus on one thing at a time mentally and accomplish it well. Because other than that, you just switch back and forth between tasks and you lose efficiency every time you switch to another task, right? That's just how the human brain works. We don't, we're not computers. We got to kind of stop one thing, start another thing. And I think that's one thing we've always had trouble with, right? Like in the, like Martin Luther King was focused. He was like, we go in segregation, <laughs> right? Like he had a, he had a goal. That was one thing he was focused on, had many impacts, right? Um, it, it, you know, it, it hit a lot of areas, but that was his specific goal. Like this cannot be legal in this country that you can treat, you can legally treat black and white people differently um even you know even when it's against the law (laughs) and then you still like this can't be the fact but he he stuck um to one narrative right and like it's but we can't like we to me it doesn't seem like we've gotten back to that singular story that we can all collectively stand behind right and then push to get that accomplished and then move on to the next one well my only my only issue with that is that there's multiple things that we have to attack you know what I mean? So I would say, my, so my, my answer to that would be like that we would be, we have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Because there, cause even when Dr. King, yes, he was fighting segregation, but he was also fighting for voting rights. He was also fighting for the poor people's campaign. You know what I mean? He was also yeah. fighting different things. He was fighting for the, the, um, 
the, uh, the, the Baptist Union to be able to open up for the young people, why he, why, why he connected with Smith. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. he pushed with Smith, all the young people, with all the older ones, why he's like, damn, young people don't know that. Why, why does he keep going to, and it's so interesting because now, you know, all the different organizations are like, oh yeah, we always support Dr. King. I'm like, no, that's not what he said. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, exactly. he didn't say that. He didn't say that Kyle was not supporting him. I wasn't there, but I could tell from what he was reading that he wasn't getting a lot of support from y'all. But I do think that we have to be able to uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, there's so many different issues that we face in our community. I think that we should attack all the different issues. And I do understand what you're saying as far as being um, focused, but I think we need to be focused on more than one thing. Um, you yeah. have to have the platform, you have to have, like when the Panthers had a 10-point program, and they focused on three, they named the 10 things that they were focused on. I think yeah. you can name the things that you're focused on and then be focused. It doesn't have to just be one. You know what yeah. I mean? But I do think you do have to be focused, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Like you said, because even Dr. King was fighting for labor unions. And so, yeah, when I'm, and I'm looking at it from like a task perspective, like, you know what I mean? Because I think even in this age that we have where whoever you work with, you got to now focus on all of their things, too. <laughs> right. So I think you wind up getting right. misdirected where it's like, OK, like like you even said, like you use the Panthers, for example, we're going to focus on these 10 things. But then if the people who come to support you with number two tell you you got to help them with eight other things. <laughs> right. In order for them, like you said, this 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 real where it's not really conditional, it's really not unconditional support. Right. So I think right. we I think we tend to we we trend towards focusing on a couple of things and then we get pulled away and we get defocused. Because we're getting, you know, we're, it's like, well, you got to help me with all of this stuff, too. And I'm like, no, we can't. Like you say, we can, you know, we can all walk together. I think, I guess my issue is we act like we can't all walk together doing something different. Right. Oh, so like, we can walk, we can walk together, but you go focus on that. <laughs> I'm going to focus right. on this. You focus on that. Yeah. You focus on that. But instead it's like, no, like when, if we're on, if we're in this, on this path together, I need you to come on my thing today and then, like, I'll do your thing with you tomorrow. And it was like, like, no, like, we got to, you you know, we got to try to have some expertise so we can get things accomplished. But, I, yeah, I completely agree. Like, we can accomplish multiple things, um, but we've got to we've got to empower people to be able to focus in the areas where they have the passion and they have the calling to be able to get it done. Right. And not always try to pull them over. To, to help us or we're not going to support them and what they're doing. You know what I mean? Which is what I see a lot of now. <laughs> I, I agree. I definitely agree with you. You know, Malcolm actually, he was, you know, after he left the nation of Islam, he was giving support of everybody. He was open to it and working with everybody. But one thing that he said, and he made sure that he kept saying was that, let's leave our differences at home. You know what yeah. I mean? We're not focused on our differences right now. We're focused on a common goal that we have together. So if we come and we're focusing on the differences, He's like, I'm a Muslim. He's like, I don't need to come in here and try to convert you into Islam because that's not what we're here for. You know, yeah. vice versa. He's like, you're a Christian. Right now, we're not here for you to convert me to Christianity. We need to focus on actually the goal that we have. And I think that part is the part that's really difficult for a lot of people because feel that if they don't do that, they're almost betraying their belief. And that's yeah. the part that I don't agree with because I'm like, okay, we can waste time butting heads about something that's not the topic right now. You know what I mean? And then not get to the topic that we're supposed to be here for. Because all this, so I understand what Malcolm X was saying. Let's leave our differences at home. Let's be focused on this goal. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, and like, and I, you know, and I, I get into that, and then people hit you with the, you know, because how can two walk together unless they agree? And I'm like, <laughs> like, we, we working right now. Like, you know, as, as far as walking, like, these people aren't, you know, these people aren't in your personal lives, right? The, these people aren't, you, they're not discipling you, and you ain't taking religious advice from them, right? It's like, we're here trying to, like, if you live in a community, right? Like, I live in a community with an HOA. Everybody in that HOA ain't Christian. That don't mean we can't get the bushes and these, you know, these paths and get proper drainage. Like everybody on the HOA committee doesn't have to be Christian. Everybody on your children's school board committee doesn't have to be Christian. But when it comes to items, right, I think we, you know, we tend to use that as excuse when it's items we really don't care about. Right. Because nobody asks for solidarity. <laughs> like I said, for religious solidarity at the school board or, at, you know, or whatever. I mean, half the time people at the church don't agree on everything that the church wants to do. Um, but it, it, it's, to me, it's like it's an excuse for inaction. Right. Well, I can't get involved because, you know, and I mean, and you, you stand that like it's like, oh, well, if I get too involved in this then I'm going to start being around different people. But I'm like, what is your fear? You think they're going to change your faith? Your beliefs, right. like I can stand beside a Muslim and agree with the Muslim that the killing of black men is wrong. That don't mean that he gonna convert me to be a Muslim. Like <laughs> that's not what that means. If he asks me, I'm gonna tell him about Jesus every you know twelve days of the week. But like we're here to accomplish something. And the weird thing, because we all do that every day, right? We act like we don't go to jobs and <laughs> right. Everybody on your basketball team and, and all the years you played basketball, everybody didn't have the same religion, <laughs> right? So like we can we can manage to get things accomplished with people that we have differences in. And I like the quotes you said, you know, like leave your differences at home. Like we came here to work, you know what I mean? So if we come here to work, then let's put this work in and get something accomplished, man. So, um, yeah, man. And so we're, we're rounding out just about the top of an hour, man. So I want to give you an opportunity, man, to share anything um, you want to share with the people, um, you know, anything that you want to, you want to reach out to and connect with them on. Oh, definitely. Uh, well, you know, if anybody wants to, you know, uh, contact me for booking or anything like that, my uh, website is thetonthomas.com. That's my name, thetonthomas.com. Uh, and my um, email directly to my manager for any type of booking is thetonth at thetonthomas36. Thetonthomas36 uh, no, at gmail.com. Manager, okay. Val Bolger. Yeah, I want to keep doing this. I want to. I want to keep on doing this, having these discussions, and pushing the envelope the way that, that we are pushing it in order to be able to bring people together. And you know, it's just it's frustrating when you see the differences keep people from working together when we both have the same common enemy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and I, and I talk about it all these different programs, all these different events that I go to all the time, and I was like, well, why aren't you working with this group? Or this yeah. group, and, and but I, and sometimes there'll be groups within Christianity. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. why? Because because and it'll be like a little difference. Like, what? You you hung up because they feel that when you baptize, you go all the way in the water, and you just feel it sprinkle on top of the head. That's it. That's all. That's all we're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. There'll be something as minute as that. That in the big picture, you know what I mean? We still have the same time. And so I mean, I would say that really unification within the body of Christ is really what we need to be able to do because, I mean, no, we can do a whole show just on that. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> there's so much separation. You know what I mean? Just within yeah. the body of Christ. So, all right, don't get me started. We're supposed to wrap up. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we might, you might have to come on and, I have to come on and do, we talk about that part because that's the part that frustrates me as well. But, hey, yeah, me, so me too. Doing. So, we'll definitely do something on that. <laughs> <laughs> much respect to you and what you're doing. Everything you're doing with your podcast, with the church, and everything like that. I'm, 
I'm wearing them proudly. Uh, and, you know, my kids are wearing them, so I, I much respect for what you do. I appreciate it, man. So, um, so thank you, man. Thank you, brother, for joining us, man. I will definitely have you back on, man. We gonna have some more, definitely have some more conversations, man. So, to be interesting to see how this weekend goes with Colin Kaepernick, um, you know, I don't know, like Stephen A. Smith said, you know, if he if he tell people he not gonna need, he might have a job. Um, or, oh, but, but we'll see. So we'll talk about. It. I know you. I know how you feel about Stephen A. But we, ain't, <laughs> I gotta have my, I gotta have my brother here when we talk about that one because I called him this morning okay. and he was. He was all livid about that, but he's filming. The, he had to go direct a film, so I'll, we'll catch up with him. Later, but, um, but thank you for joining me, man. Um, much love to you and the family. Um, like I'm so impressed by your son, man, and just your entire family. The way that you, you know, that y'all rep- that you represent Christ. The way that you represent family. Um, the way that you represent um, just a strong representation for black men. You know, athletes, fathers, um, whatever the case may be. So for everybody out there, um, go pick up We Matter. Go pick up Fatherhood. Go pick up Voices of the Future. Just go add some um, some Eton Thomas to your to your Amazon cart and get those books delivered tomorrow and start reading, man. Um, and I'll close this out the way that I always close it. Um, if anybody's listening, anybody who knows me, they they know what I'm about. Um, so if you don't know Jesus, I pray that you find him um, and, you know, that he can have an impact on your life the same way, um, the same way he has mine. And I, you know, and I know people listen that uh, that don't believe um, I have friends and close, you know, close friends that I know who don't believe. But I'm, I'm going to keep advocating that you do <laughs> until my last breath. Um, so we thank you. Thank you all for joining the Savage Truth podcast. We love you. God bless. They keep asking who I am, I just tell them I'm a Christian Occupation, a description, I just tell them I'm a Christian Nationality, ethnicity, I tell them I'm a Christian Keep the hyphens in division, I just tell them I'm a Christian Christian, 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 Christian.